Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is a part of the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And and it is a um, little sparse on the bandwagon today. A little sparse. A little sparse. It is just myself and Mr. Saturday Night A... I almost called you Aesop. PC Tunny. Soon to be joined, allegedly, by one violent gentleman, Aesop Mitchell. He uh, he said he's going to be a little late to the call. We thought we were going to have the Reverend Ray Cash. He begged out. And Dave Ungar, in a rare absence from the bandwagon, Dave off gallivanting for WrestleMania. Because we are recording on WrestleMania Sunday. And so, Tony, it's just you and me today. So so far, we'll see if we'll see if Aesop comes through. But just us. We finally got rid of him, Patrick. We finally got rid of all the idiots. The long national nightmare is over. <laughs> we have we have worked our way past what was. By the way, we'll we'll just do it. We're we're sports. We're entertainment. We're sports entertainment. We're gonna talk uh, just real quick. Night one of WrestleMania has come and gone since we. Uh, like as we're as we're recording this, obviously night two will have come and gone by the time this episode drops. But high bar, I would say, for the first night of WrestleMania, other than just a still a really long show, even with two parts, still a really long show. Yeah, you think they could have got that to closer to three hours? But right, I'm okay with that on Saturday night. I, I wish they'd be starting on Sunday a little earlier. I thought last night was like a B plus. Um, I guess you could give it an A minus if you wanted it to, but I think they can beat that today. However, I was entertained, but Ray and um, Dominic, I thought was the coolest thing that happened last night. Yeah, that was a, that was a great match. It told a great story. It was a lot of fun to, to watch. Uh, I was glad Charlotte didn't die in one horrible looking bump that ugh, anytime you see somebody's head bend, you're just like, Oh God. Uh, and that she finished that match and got through whatever. And I, I haven't even looked to see if there's been any reports out of, of anything more than the, the markup on her nose that, that happened in, in her match with Rhea Ripley. And um, that was that was a lot of fun. People went nuts for that match, talked good things. Kevin, Owen and Sa- Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, it blows my mind to know that, one, Greg DeMarco and I, met those guys back when they were in ROH that we interviewed Kevin Owens forever ago back in his Kevin Steen ROH champion days twice. And that the entire, I guess, internet wrestling community seemed to think two years ago they made the wrong decision by sticking with the E. And here they are, they main evented and won 
the WWE tag team titles I, after night one of WrestleMania. I, I remember talking about that and and specifically yeah. saying you you people are so stupid why would they leave even before this whole build from the last two years has been with them they still were in the top echelon of storylines they were still getting paid the top quarter of the roster salary which is much more than anywhere else and much more exposure on television so boy oh boy i how, how wrong those people were and how right we were at that time because these two guys they're two of the most valuable people in professional wrestling and to the WWE. Sami Zayn has been the most entertaining wrestler in the world since like what last March. Yeah. It's been a year. It's been a year of Sami Zayn. And that was the other thing to me is just seeing those two guys in that spot on night one. And I would say this for all four of them, Jimmy and Jay Uso as well. Those guys earned the right to close that show. And that was just, it was, it was a well-deserved 20 some minute match that they got to put on to close out WrestleMania night one. Good for them. I know I, I played my really leaned into my PC Tunny, you know, uh, persona and, and played the game with Greg on which match would close. Um, good for the Usos. I love it when the heels wear white. Um, right. <laughs> I love it that Seth Rollins did it. And I tweeted last night, proper villains wear white. But what a, what a great night one. I think night two is going to be even better. I'll be honest with you. I really I think, do. I think, I think the only thing on night two is going to be great. I think the only thing I'm antsy about is the uh, almost Brock Lesnar match. Like, oh, I, I just, that's going to be good. I hope so. I just, I don't trust, I don't trust almost. Uh, but that's me. Hey, if the Hurt Business gets back together to beat down Brock Lesnar, let's go. Well, We'll see what the story is. You're right. Uh, okay, so here's what we're going to do today. We we have a lot to talk about. We, we've got some more bad news stuff to talk about at the end of the show. Though some of it, I would argue, isn't bad news. It's just Bob Iger followed through on what he said was going to happen. But we still got to talk about it. We are going to follow up on the Jonathan Major story. as Of course, now we're in the, the land of lawyering up. And tell you know, and telling our side of the story, so we'll break all of that down. We of course are going to talk about Mandalorian episode twenty-one. I got a little bit of a rant. It's a familiar rant, but this week in Star Wars added a lot of fuel to the Patrick O'Dowd axe that he likes to grind the fire inside that I like to to criticize over Star Wars. So we're going to talk about that. Some you know plenty of trailers and then of course news around the news just new we all of that stuff and without dave noble listener here's the thing you're gonna get you're gonna get some uh, of of the sounds as in none of the sounds when i say some i mean none uh maybe just, i don't know you just pick different ones i mean we could like do you i don't even know do you even have a mandalorian like theme song i don't, I don't know that you even have that uh, because that's where we start. Like usually, this would be about the point where I said, "Let's get to let's get to Mando," and we'd we, we'd have the Mando song. And, and you're you're looking, but I don't know how's how's that going. Just play boom. No, 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 not that, not that. No, we're not doing that. No, 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 no banjos. No, none of that. No fake banjos. Oh, sorry. I did want to ask one last thing before we get into this. That is, oh yeah, kind of personal to you. What did you think? Of was it Michael Che's April Fool's joke that he played on Colin 
Jost or Yost or whatever his name is on Weekend Update. Oh, I didn't watch it. Did you hear about what he did? No, I'm going to watch tonight. Can I spoil it? Because it's really funny. Ah, come on. It's not a. It's not a joke. It's a joke, but it's not a joke. Uh, Che Che pulled an an April Fool's prank on on his co-host for Weekend Update. Yeah, and. Okay, he basically told the audience not to laugh at his jokes and only laugh at Michael J. Che's jokes, and the audience played along, and it freaked out Colin Jones. All it was right, pretty I'll have funny. To check the uh, the response to that I know they've done before where they've written jokes for each other, and it's usually pretty bad when you know Jost makes a joke that only Michael Che should be making. So they've they've made each other uncomfortable before. It's true. But I forgot you were I watching WrestleMania on Saturday, so how could you have been watching I, Saturday Night Live? Yeah, and that was I was pretty much done after WrestleMania. It was I, a long I had day. I had two screens Beat going. Convention all day. Too, That's true. So. You did. You attended a, a gaming convention. Yeah, I had a really good time. Midwest Gaming Classic, and I know we're going to get to like E3. I was going to bring it up then because sure. that's something that did sur- survive. But um, this is the first time it's happened since the pandemic, and boy, did they come back with just a great show. Uh, Greg Lucen and, and, and the crew down there did a great job. They brought in some Bruce City Wrestling. They had tons of vendors. They had tons of video games to play. They had a LARPing room. They had a pinball tournament. They had free air hockey. It was a really, really good time. So kudos on them. Excellent, excellent. All right. Um, so enough of this banter bullshit. We, we've, we've been nice to each other long enough. It's time to get to the, to the, the nitty-gritty here. Is that, is that you or me? What was that? Oh man, this is like the extended version of the Mandalorian. I know, right? Too. This is this is big time. This is deep. Deep deep cuts with PC Tunny. Oh, where where is it gonna kick in? I think it's up here. <laughs> there you go. Hey! All right, so here we are, episode 21, which I've decided, I, I don't know if you've caught this or not yet, but I've stopped going by the seasons, and I'm just following the episode numbers as the series gives them to us. Well, they they call them chapters, right? They call the chapter yeah. 21. So so I'm, I'm all about this. Let me start with, after I watched this episode, I posted a GIF in the, the message chat of a standing ovation. All of my complaints about last week. Remember last week when I was all like, nothing's happening. What's going on? Where are we going? We finally went places a lot faster in this episode. And there were two disparate storylines going on. We get a revisit of our good friend Grief Karga, played by Carl Weathers. uh, And we get a callback to, I think it was episode two, when... Mando had, or maybe it was episode one, where he had the run-in with the pirates, and, and and the pirates come back to the spaceport to basically take over the planet. Go ahead, you were you were to jump in. No, 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 you're right. I was just remembering that they the, the the guy actually the one guy who abandons everything at the end was the guy who was down on their planet. Um, right, kind of. With just right. a couple guys that that said, you know, we used to drink here, and now it's a school, and yeah, 
And, and I get the feeling, I get the feeling that guy's coming back. Like, well, sure. Cause Why he got that? away. Right. Oh, uh, and that's, and that's usually, that's usually, uh, something to, something to be ready for. But no. So these pirates come back and we get our first kind of real look. This is, you know, it's an outer rim territory. Grief Cargo reaches out to Captain Carson Teva, Teva, who is one of the Outer Rim's outposts uh, captains in the in the New Republic, the, the sort of the police squad uh, of the New Republic. Receives this distress signal, goes to Coruscant, where we get a cameo from Tim Meadows of all people. Uh, hat tip to Tim Meadows. Oh, uh, yeah, and he. It's like, oh, the ladies' man's in charge. It's the yeah, lady. Not, what is yeah, your galactic they're query? Of, they're not part of the New Republic. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't help you. Do it in the butt. Arthur, for no. <laughs> but, uh, but Captain Carson T- Tava sees these pirates. He recognizes it as a threat. He goes. Uh, to his superiors in Coruscant to see about getting support. We get a revisit from Aliyah Kane, who we see has moved up the ranks and is clearly playing the New Republic. Captain, in addition to trying to get help for, uh, I'm going to forget Grief's little community's name off the top of my head, so drink, everybody. He he also, what's that? Is there is there is is his community something inside of Navarro? Because that's the planet, right? Well, yeah, Navarro. Yeah, that's I I can't remember what the community is, but the planet's Navarro. Um, but anyway, basically, he tries to he tries to see about getting a squad to go out and help deal with these pirates. And at the at the end of it all, he's kind of uppity with Colonel Tuttle, Tim Tim Meadows' character, and that leads to. Captain Tuttle denying his request. And so Captain Tava goes to the Mandalorians where our familiar uh, astromech droid droid that we've seen from the earlier episodes with Mando comes out and has helped them find the location. And he begs the Mandalorian community to help Navarro. The Mandalorian, our good friend Din, speaks on behalf of the Mandalorians coming out of hiding to support this, talks about the track of land that Grief Karga offered him when he paid his visit at the very beginning, gets surprising support from one of the other, um, the, the big hulking Mandalorian whose name escapes me, and I'm not seeing his name listed here as I have my IMDb cheap sheet, cheat sheet up, uh, cheat sheet up uh, but he he comes and stands up for Mando, uh, for Mando and this call and so they go and they launch a that plan was to eradicate cheesy. the pirates that, it that was, was cheesy wasn't it? like there's a lot of things in here that I thought you were going to rant and rave about to be honest with you like as I'm watching the first like 60% of this episode I'm like you know, Patrick is probably, although you kind of have to get over it because you got mad about how quickly Bo-Katan got back and forth to Mando, right? Right. Like, how, how Same quick problem, did, by the way. Yeah, and right. Like, he goes and asks for permission, meanwhile, and then comes back again, and then, you know, then get other things. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In in fairness, in fairness, the pirates looked much more well established. Uh, like that they had done their looting pretty heavily by the time How? they get there. So I, I I did I felt like there was a passage of time as opposed to episode whatever where Mando's like, I'm stabbed, get help, and he was like, shoo, shoo, and there's Bo Katan saving the day. And what's the main pirate guy's name again? Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna cheat here. Hold on, Mandalorian episode twenty one. Just watch this too. Anyway, that ship, that big ship that came in. Yeah, that that was um. If you if you remember from Rogue One, it's a Corsair. That uh, (laughs) Gorian Shard is the pirate king's name. There you go. Yeah, that ship is pretty sweet. I would love to build that and have that as a well, Star Lego ship. Easily one of my favorite parts of that episode, or of, of Rogue One, is when that ship makes its appearance and rams a Star Destroyer to destroy the uh, the shield generator thing. Like, that was awesome. Excuse I, me, I got a little sniff. This, this one, though, is a little different color-wise with the black and the white, though, I believe. Yeah, like they, it's clearly like the pirates took it and painted it and made it their right. own. That's um, what I would. Yeah, right. I do want to point out uh, a little bit of an Easter egg for fans of the Star Wars Rebel Rebels franchise. You get uh, a brief appearance by a character uh, early in the episode uh, called Zeb. So anybody who's seen Star Wars Rebels, Captain Teva, he talks to this kind of large alien dude when he's trying to figure out whether to you know, offer help. That character Zeb is a very significant character. And this is the second sort of major star Wars rebels, uh, moment that we've gotten and Zeb being a part of the new Republic. And so that was, that was massive. And it just continues to sort of add fuel to the fire that maybe we get some Ezra Bridger down, down the road. Uh, and that could be pretty exciting. Why wouldn't you continue to further, you know, unexplored content that's being consumed positively, right? You know, right. you talk about the different avenues that they have. Why not? This one's going so great. The story's going so great. Why can't we use part of that here as well to make things? It just makes things more cohesive, right? It's kind of the thing that. I don't know if Star Wars has actually done more than Marvel. It's interesting because Star Wars has so many gaping holes, but I don't know. We're we're going to get to those gaping holes at the conclusion of this uh, <laughs> of this review because that's ultimately where we come down to. So the Mandalorians, cheesy speech notwithstanding, do agree to go and take on the uh, the pirates, Gorn Shard's Car- Corsair ship. Uh, Bo-Katan and Din providing aerial distraction and support while dropping the other Mandalorians on the ground to take care of the, the pirates on the lower levels. You know, there's some back and forth fighting that eventually leads to the Mandalorians winning the day. So big win for them. Good for them. But uh, what ends up happening afterwards is that the Mandalorians agree to stay on Navarro and take that strip of land. And then the armorer, and I guess I forgot to mention this, Bo-Katan leads the operation, like leads the assault. She's the one who makes the game plan. She's the one who 
gets them coordinated in their attack and pulls it all off. It is one of the coolest parts of this episode where they're traveling in um, hyperspeed, whatever you want to call it. Yep. And while they're traveling in hyperspeed to get there is when they're doing the homage of her giving orders to everybody in like some kind of cool 3D blueprint that they're watching on how things are going to happen. When these physical Mandalorian drops are going to happen, what, you know, what Mando is going to do in his ship and things of that nature. And, and it's just a really cool, cool thing that happens in this episode, her giving these orders. It, it's, it's inspiring. It's a cool thing to watch. She does a great job with it. It's a great thing for her character. And it's something she's also has experience doing. Absolutely. And that even comes to a bigger head at the end of the episode when the armorer, the leader of this Mandalorian group, pulls Bo-Katan aside. And it's like the light has dawned on the armorer that for the future of the Mandalorian people, there is there needs to be a recognition and maybe a change in their ways a little bit. And she chooses Bo-Katan, who has not been a follower of quote the way orders her to take her helmet off walks her amongst all of the people uh, of the mandalorians and says she is going to be the one to unite and bring back the scattered mandalorian people which i'm telling you i mean i, I guess that's how we're gonna get sasha banks back on the show and, and some other folks sorry mercedes monet whatever the fuck we're calling her um but it's fine. Um, and it's a big deal because she she's she's the one who stands up. I I was wondering if uh, maybe I could get, uh, uh, you know, a little backtrack on some of the harshness I was getting when I thought I said the armor actually didn't completely dismiss Bo-Katan when she said. Oh, that yeah, I was going to I was going to give you credit because she said that she acknowledged that Bo-Katan. I wasn't the one who pushed back on you by that, by the way, on that. That was uh, one Mr. David Ungar who's, you know, not here to to eat crow. Convenient, Dave. You just happened to go to WrestleMania on the day that you need to admit you were wrong. I just <laughs> think that that's a little fortuitous, if you will. Uh, welcome into the program, by the way, Mr. Uh, Aesop Mitchell. Violet Jim himself. Hey, oh, hi. You're talking about... What are we talking about? Book of Boba Mando or something like that? Something oh, like boy. that. We know you don't watch the show. It's fine. You don't have to chime nope. in. Uh, and, and that's okay. We're almost done talking about the episode, and then I'm going to complain about Star Wars a little bit. So it'll be fine. Sounds good. Uh, by the way, fine. oh, that was a great movie. And Tony, you should definitely go see it in 3D. <sighs> like it's built, the movie is made for 3D. Like I know. I've I, I seen the trailer in 3D. And uh, oh, the movie was... itself was just a great time. I was right, going to put myself on mute and let you talk about whatever you're talking about. Before I'm going to watch that, the Let, me, let me just finish this real quick is I was going to go see that in 3d, but 3d projector basically is broken at the theater I was going to go to. So they didn't have any 3d showings. And the problem also is now that next week I already have tickets to go see Mario in 3d at the same theater. Will they have, I think I'm going to get a refund and go to a different theater. Okay. All right, wait a second. Hold on. Let's. I just because Dave's not here, I still have sound bites, and this is for both of you. Like, what? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? What? What happened? 
Just because I don't have the Mandalorian song. No, 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 no. I'll mute you all. I'll kick you out of this. I will do the podcast myself. No, I will not. Anyway, last thing that happened, big tag at the end of the episode. So Captain uh, Tava goes off uh, to investigate this mystery surrounding what happened with Moff Gideon because rumor had it, even though the New Republic hadn't admitted it, rumor had it that Moff Gideon never made it to trial and or prison. And so he goes and finds... Because it's just easy to find ships in the middle of nowhere. I think there may have been a distress call or something, or he follows the flight path. But anyway, he comes, apro- he comes across a uh, a ship, uh, a, a Republic uh, prison transport ship that has been attacked. All of the crew is dead. They run a diagnostic. <gasps> it happens to be the ship that had Moff Gideon in it. There's no Moff Gideon. Just a bunch of dead troopers and a shard of Beskar embedded in the wall of the ship. Moff Gideon missing. He's free. Beskar in the hull or in the, in the wall of the ship, leading people to be like Mandalorians. Now we know, of course, Mandalorians are not going to be truly responsible, I don't think. But there we have it. Moff Gideon is out, and we know that that threat is still in space. Who else deals in that material, right? That's the question. Who else could have maybe jacked it off some Mandalorians? Well, I don't know that they jacked them off. Man, that's a little... little yeah, that's all I heard when I came in. I think... Who, who, I, knows, who knows how what? the frame job was done? I think there are plenty of opportunities. I what's think a, that a, I think Kane is probably involved. If I were, If I were to guess. And all of this leads me to my tried and true rant about Star Wars. And Tony, you hit on it once. Holes. Specifically, plot holes. I've said this before. I'm going to say it clearly now. I'm sad Dave and Ray in particular aren't here to hear this. Because they would be all up in arms over this. But... And I'm wearing my, I'm wearing one of my, I'm wearing my Darth Vader shirt. Uh, it says, you know, I'm, I'm Mr. Star Wars. I'm going to establish. I know Aesop loves Star Trek more than Star Wars, and that's fine. Star Wars sucks. I love Star Wars. I grew up on Star Wars. That original trilogy is so deeply embedded in my heart. I, I still get a little sad when Yoda turns into a Force ghost. prequel trilogy and especially the jj abrams led sequel trilogy aren't just bad because i'm old and love this original trilogy they're bad stories that tell an incomplete picture that can't be rectified without fixing it through other shit years later and here are the two latest examples mandalorian is setting up how the First Order came to power. The First Order, the primary bad guy, in three movies that came out damn near ten years ago, we're fixing now. And because Star Wars fans are Star Wars fans, they dismiss it and say, oh, this is so great. 
it'll make the sequel trilogy so much better. No, it doesn't. What it does is it hamstrings this series because they are now telling a story that wasn't really the story that they were telling at the start of the series. The reason I love season one of The Mandalorian so much is because that was Space Western City and it was fucking great and it told its own story and was not beholden to explaining these other movies. And it was lore outside of these movies. Then you fast forward over to The Bad Batch, which is a fun, fun animated series on Disney+. Plus. I've been watching it with the little O'Dowd. He's obsessed with Stormtroopers. Anything involving clones, he's going to watch. Great show. Wonderful story. Is retconning and telling the, the explanation as to how the Emperor isn't dead and gone in The Rise of Skywalker. The worst Star Wars movie ever conceived, made, put out there perpetrated, ruined, fucked up, awful piece of cinematic trash that it is should be thrown out. (laughs) We should wipe it from the cloud. We should get rid of the film. We should burn it in a dumpster. And we are trying to make it okay with these other series and stories. And we did this with the prequel trilogy too. Because the Clone Wars series was like a retcon backtrack to make people feel better about the prequel trilogy, which is terrible. It's objectively not good cinema outside of a cool lightsaber fight on a volcano. That's it. That's right. You can disagree and tell me why I'm wrong. Because it's all Star Wars? Is that the answer? Because it's not. It's bad storytelling. It's if you need to go and retcon shit like and this is why Marvel you were talking about Marvel. Marvel has its problems and, you know, whether it's their storytelling problems and, you know, kind of the same thing over and over and over again. They didn't need other shit to make their movies make sense. And that is not good storytelling. It's a distraction that now you have to go and fix and retcon when people really pay attention to something. And they're and they're just not in the veil of oh it's Star Wars lightsabers lasers and spaceships and they're whoosh, whoosh. Boba Fett riding a dinosaur let's let's go let's go it's so amazing guys it, it's awesome contrary to popular belief I really like that Patrick O'Dowd voice <laughs> it's terrible storytelling and as a Star Wars fan again buy, I buy the stuff I give them my money I take my money I'm the Futurama person they're bad stories. They're bad stories that don't make any goddamn sense. And if you have to alter the course of other shows to make it make sense, then you have a real poor device telling your story. Aesop, go. Oh, okay. Now, hold on, hold on. I'm going to jump in because this is bigger than just a Star Wars thing. This is a Disney problem. I have been quite adamant that Disney does tell good stories. Some of the Star Wars stuff is good, but there's always some one little fucking thing that ruins it for it. It really shouldn't even be that big. Like what you were saying with the retconning for Star Wars, right? What One of my biggest gripes 
lately with Disney stuff, both Marvel and their animated stuff, is the fact that there's no fucking antagonist in anything Disney does anymore. Uh, Star Wars aside, because I think Star Wars, they've actually done a good job at building villains. But this is a Disney problem right now, that they, they are always in the way of themselves. They put something to slow their shit down rather than just go back to basic fucking storytelling, right? Good guy, bad guy, let's tie in everything and not have to get into any type of social uh, dynamics, you know, especially with the, you know, a lot of the movies, not that I'm saying I have a problem with it, but like, they they either make things too complicated or too simple and they can't fucking decide anything. Uh, and that's my biggest problem. It's a Disney thing. It's not just a Star Wars thing. See, the only reason where the Phantom Menace, the, the prequel trilogy problem existed pre-Disney owning Lucasfilm. So that's that's really why I have this bigger beef with Star Wars in general, is because but they're like, piling on to it. Right, right. And JJ Abrams, I've I've long said that I don't think he's as great a storyteller as people think he is. Because he's he is the king of just always having extra threads of shit that's unresolved. That's like his big his whole theory. Like he used to do a TED talk about that what's in the box sort of thing. Like and always kind of moving the goalposts of of the show. And then we put him in charge of the Star Wars franchise and for three movies and it went horribly, in my opinion. They they made a fuck ton of money. Yes, we know they made a fuck ton of money, but just not um not good and so yeah and you're right about I, I will agree with you about marvel marvel has really and tony was while you were talking about marvel not having a real antagonist he was busy showing off his infinity war lego set you know talking about thanos who was a kind of behind the scenes antagonist until we got to the first guardians of the galaxy movie he's sort of there but it's really Ronin, and then his two movies. Other than that, he's a post-credit scene character, and that's that's really where we see him. So it's 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 interesting in that regard because there's still something to to that argument, I suppose. But yeah, for me, it's just the amount of effort and work that has happened with this franchise to make it make sense is it's just bad storytelling it's just bad is, on all levels is the problem that disney itself is just trying to make everyone happy that's probably i, I might have something to do with it yeah i think that yeah what what is their identity right as a as a as a filmmaking company yeah you know cuz <sighs> I've been absolutely applauding what A24 has been doing over the past couple of years. What? Just saying, just saying. Um, And I think a big portion of that is they don't give a shit. You know what I mean? They're out to make the best movie that they possibly can and put out the best product. But, you know, with Disney, they want to make every last character, every last fan person happy with the way that things go and i think at that point it's 
it's been making a problem that I, I don't know if they're going to be able to understand on how to fix because they just want to make sure that everyone's happy all the fucking time. Maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I've been drinking too much of this honey wine, but uh, see, like... and this and this is why Tony, we I, I'm sad that Dave chose WrestleMania over Bandwagon Nerds, and that and that Ray couldn't make it because you know, you know those two would be fighting me on this rant today. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm not gonna even try because we're just completely on separate ends here. I, I get what you guys are annoyed with. I completely understand. It just doesn't bother me. Like it bothers you guys. You know, I'm willing to accept there's some faults there just because my overall love for star Wars, right? Like, I feel like it's okay to leave some outs that'll never get attended to. Honey's a midichlorian guy. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, he he's okay with Palpatine inexplicably being alive. All right, we're gonna take our first commercial break on that note. Star Wars, bad storytelling. It's okay. We're gonna get to the trailer park. We go. Bad storytelling, PC Tony, everyone. Yeah, there you go. Really a cake. I don't know how you connected those dots, but go ahead. Although it's 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 a tangled web. It's like you know just interlocked. We're gonna take our first commercial break. When we come back, we're gonna head over to the trailer park and then talk. Some news around the Nerdosphere. As always, PC Tony is wrong, and you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here oh. on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head, prowrestlingtees.com, forward slash chairshot, all that fun stuff. All right, there's no David Ungar, but we have a PC Tunny. He's promising he's not using an invisible banjo, everybody. So we're going to ask him to play that beautiful banjo. Aesop is falling asleep. I, I, you never realize how long an intro goes until you actually hear how long the intro goes. Because I kept waiting for the yeah. for it to pick up. I'm like, where's the part where it picks up? Oh, pace? No, no, yeah, no, where no, they're no, going no, nuts. No, yeah. Like I, I, <laughs> oh, golly. Yes. God damn it. Not blaming oh. you, Dunny. Not blaming you. Somewhere out there, Ned Beatty screamed. Anyway. Can I tell you guys it took can I tell you guys it took 44 seconds to get to where we actually started from? Oh my <laughs> lord. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I went a little art housey with a couple of the trailers today. One I put on here because I knew Aesop was gonna be on the show and he wants to talk about Wes Anderson and I can Maybe talk to him a little bit about why I've just never understood it. Like, don't hate the guy, just don't get it. Uh, but we're going to start with a documentary that I sort of stumbled across that I'm kind of excited about because love him or hate the dude, Stanley Kubrick is one of the most influential filmmakers of the last 100 years. And a documentary is coming out shortly that is kind of a career retrospective pulled from interview footage with people who both worked with Stanley Kubrick as well as with Kubrick himself and his thoughts and philosophies of filmmaking and the various films that he made throughout his career. And this trailer was really only about 45 seconds long. I don't even think it went a whole minute, uh, but it had archived interview footage with uh, Malcolm McDowell, uh, Shelley Duvall, who that I, it's, it's well known that she did not have a good experience putting together The Shining uh, and being in that film uh, as, as it, it was a little abusive, a little abusive on the part of, uh, of Kubrick, just teensy weensy bit. But one of, one of the great filmmakers uh, of all time, and this is a, a different sort of look at his career and the films he made as told by the man who made them. So... I, I'm in for this because it's, it's in my wheelhouse and something I definitely want to check out and I've enjoyed a ton of his films. Uh, but I'll hand it over to Tony first. Your thoughts on Kubrick by Kubrick. I can't wait. Um, big fan. Are you guys are you guys are both obviously Patrick, you're a big Kubrick fan, right? Yeah, I, I like 
most of his stuff, not all of his stuff. Like Full Metal Jacket. Aesop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Aesop, are you a Kubrick guy or no? I can enjoy the Kubrick films. Uh, I would rather admonish Stanley Kubrick as a person, though. He's a terrible human being. Okay. Yeah. He's right yeah. there with Roman I mean, I I like I love his work. I, I love those movies. I think they're they're excellent. But yeah, like you know, the guy would do hundred takes and to get it right on the second one, right? You know, I mean, crazy, insane shit like that. Um, I just the the depth of the different movies from you know like Clockwork Orange, Space Odyssey, two thousand one, and then you you know you you got something like it's a very um, period driven piece which is more of a, a wardrobe kind of excellence in Barry Lyndon um something like that so the guy had a lot of range in what he talked about i just always remember watching eyes wide shut for the first time and going wow that was it's been a while since we've seen something like that so i'm in i'm in for it so asop you you alluded to it uh, you know you can't look at Kubrick's work without looking at Kubrick the person himself a little bit like from a documentary point of view and like I said most famously for me it's you know the treatment of Shelley Duvall on the set of The Shining is is probably one of the most well-known things but that is by no means what he was limited to. Oh and it's one of many stories um, right. I mean it, Kubrick was an asshole and especially to women um, you know this, this is just something that you kind of you're going to know about. Your mic keeps going. We have lost Aesop and his mic. And we, nope. we're still. We're stay, oh. Hey, yo. Hold on. Hey. Hey. You're good. Yo, Tom, why does my speaker keep fucking up? It's it's back. You're back now. Or you were. Is that better? There yes. you go. You, you, I think we left you. You left off with. He's a, he was an asshole to women. That's kind of where yes, yeah, he's we an asshole to women. I mean, uh, Kubrick is basically the uh, Frank Sinatra of, of movie directors, right? Like, <laughs> he does great work, but really, he's an he's a womanizer and an asshole. And and that's the honestly, these are the one things that I wonder about these type of documentaries and films. Is like, are we going to acknowledge the fact that he's an asshole? Are we are we just going to sweep that under the rug? That's the type of shit that I I hope to see in so many of these documentaries. Whether or not we get there, I have no fucking clue. So right. and, and it's tough with archived footage that may have been owned by Kubrick. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, it's it's, that point, it's tough. At that point, at that point, it becomes schlock. It's right. all it's bullshit. It's as it's and as actually, fake as his movies were you know what i mean like they're yeah. they're the whole thing is just a story so i i need the full spectrum of events if i don't get it i'm i'm going to say it's bull so sorry uh i'll definitely watch it though you know i, I would love to kind of get some honest opinion though about kubrick so let's see how they break it down i know they're going to do archival foot footage and all but you know do they add some more people in and you know obviously have like a narrator of sorts yeah i i don't know the way that it was the way that it was put out there really didn't show it that way um it is rated 80 percent ripe by rotten tomatoes so that's the critical response so critics like it that could mean anything though as we all know yeah so 
the other document, uh, the other documentary that I that I stumbled upon as I was kind of rolling through what was coming soon on Netflix, uh, April twenty eighth, twenty twenty three, a new documentary series is coming out called King of Collect King of Collectibles: The Golden Touch, and it's all about Ken Golden and his special niche uh auction house of running rare uh, you know of selling rare collectibles and you know in this trailer it's really fascinating because it's everything from like collector's cars to jackie robinson's baseball jersey to uh movie props like i don't as somebody who like i just recently got into with with the little o'dowd uh with these disney world trips just collecting Disney pins uh, and things that, you know, come out year to year, kind of like baseball cards, appreciating value if you take care of them and look after them. Things that get faked and forged. Now he, you know, Gold, Ken Golden, he really, he's pulling into very specialized stuff that's selling for like millions and mil, can sell for like millions of dollars. Um, I love this kind of show. Like the WWE had a documentary not too long ago where somebody was going around looking for old memorabilia from these different wrestlers. And he used to go back into the warehouses. He would go with the wrestlers themselves to find things. Like I, I distinctly that was remember top, top dollar was doing that. Right. And I distinctly remember he was looking for a, uh, Ric Flair's one of Ric Flair's robes at one point. Like that was something and he did one with the undertaker, just all these, all this great. So that stuff I love people trying to find that stuff, unearthing it, and then the stories behind those collectibles if they find them. I could give two shits. I couldn't care less how much they go for. I'm there for seeing the, the, the item itself getting picked up. And this series, it looks really, really interesting to me. I, and I, I'm definitely going to put it on my playlist to check out. Aesop, what did you think of this Ken Golden documentary series on Netflix? Um, It's... I'm a big collectible guy. I've I've spoken many a time about it. I've collected so many things. And, uh, you know, you all are lucky that you asked me to do this because uh, I was about this close to heading down to Kenosha and getting me a vintage uh, Godzilla figure that I really was wanting. But uh, I'll have to... Sacrifices you know, needed to be made. Yeah, where, were yeah. yes- where were you yesterday, Mr. Closed, closed Sunday, uh, on Saturdays. So you should have been at the Midwest Gaming Classic. Sorry, I was working, making money, being funny. Damn it. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, God. Uh, but the show itself, I uh, I don't think I'll watch it. I'll just be honest. Um, it's it's not something that's going to be at the front of my viewing uh, list because I I just have so much shit to watch, and um. Yeah, sorry. Looks cool though. It'd be fun to see maybe some like Facebook like clips. You know what I mean? Like something that shows like a two minute whatever as I you know work through the day. Tony. I mean, I asked you before the show when it was coming on, so it looks good to me. I saw. I actually got to see some really interesting collectibles yesterday. You talk about you know non sports kind of things, but like. Uh, the DeLorean with with the outfit from from uh, Back to the Future, the old Batmobile, Wayne the Wayne Mobile uh, from Wayne's World, a couple Jurassic Park cars. So, 
you know, the, the scope of things that they can go for. One of the coolest things I thought was like the live bidding because they were selling things online and these bids were coming in at, at, at live time for them. So going through that and seeing these people, you know, it was like, like a $1.9 million bid on something. That's, that's serious. That's not like, Oh, we're bidding on this $30 baseball card. Who's going to get it. Wonder if he gets his hands on the, the one ring magic card we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I, Hey, you know, I mean, that's the thing. This collectible thing, it crosses so many different genres, right? So, it, oh, that's it's for sure. Kind of, it's, and it's, it's dangerous. All, yeah, it's, oh, it's yeah. all encompassing within whichever genre of fanaticism you have. Absolutely. So, Aesop, how how much would you? How much were you willing to pay for a vintage Godzilla collection? Yeah, what would you do? What would you do for a Klondike bar? Well, first of all, it was at it was at a store, so they were selling it for twenty dollars. And uh, oh, okay. I I haven't I haven't on good authority that looking at it, I think it's about seventy. So um yeah. Yeah. You better get over there and pick it up then. I I I feel good about it not going anywhere. Valid. At least valid. right now. Yeah. All right. Well, okay, Aesop, it's your time to shine. Because we're going to talk about the... Uh, it's funny. Pull back the curtain a little bit, noble listener. Bandwagon nerd chat pops up. Aesop shares a trailer. Aesop almost never shares a trailer. Uh, unless it's, you know, A24 or apparently Wes Anderson. Movies. But Wes, Wes Anderson has a new movie coming out. Uh, I take it back. Aesop likes to share things that other people have shared more so than... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> This, this is some bullshit. <laughs> I'm just saying back to back shares um that that I have come across my desktop. Anyway, this was not a repeat share, but Aesop shared a trailer for Wes Anderson's newest film, Asteroid City. Tom Hanks was one of the prominent stars you see in there, Scarlett Johansson, Jason Schwartzman, because he's in every one of Wes Anderson's movies. Um, I, I it's funny because you played it, and I'm like, I, I don't know, I don't really, I don't really care for Wes Anderson. I don't get it. And you were like, Well, did you watch it? Funny story, I've now watched it twice because it was in front of the Dungeons and Dragons movie, so I got to see it again, even you know against my will. But I, I have an appreciation for like Wes Anderson's artistic look. And style of film. And the funny thing that happened. Before I knew anything about the movie. I hit play on the trailer. Two seconds in. Haven't seen anything. Other than the color palette. Of the trailer. I'm like this is a Wes Anderson movie. And then the dialogue started. I was like this is definitely a Wes Anderson movie. Oh and, of course. And then, and then the story gets you know told. And I don't even. As is often typical. You don't. In, entirely understand what the story is necessarily right away um other than people are a little off because they're always a little off uh but i'm gonna oh and i felt like tom hanks was channeling his best harrison ford in his like curmudgeony gravelly voice talk that was that's what i was like hey it's harrison ford except you know it's tom hanks being harrison ford Hey, uh, I'm sorry, Tom. H that is Tom Hanks now. That is what he's been doing, right? Wouldn't he? Would he just do the the other month was like? Man oh, that Called neighbor. Otto. 
Yeah, where, yeah. He's a curm- where again, he's a curmudgeon. Like, and he was fucking uh, Boss Hog in the Elvis movie, uh, you know, in which he was a old fat. You, know, you don't need to. It's not good. Um, but there, there's so much more in this Asteroid City than the cast than what you, you know, just had mentioned. I didn't even show everybody. Yeah. But, you know, Tilda Swinton's in that. Of course, she's been a regular. Uh, Brian Cranston's in this. Ed Norton. Uh, Adrian Brody. Steve Carell. Uh, Willem Dafoe, Margot Ro- Robbie, Scarlett Johansson. I mean, like Jeff Goldblum too. This is going to be a super fun movie. And even for the pastel aesthetic, it's it's different. It doesn't have the same mixture of colors. This is very bright, even for a Wes Anderson film, who I tend to like his storytelling. I love the, the deadpan it always works in that comedic style that he's going for ever since, uh, you know, watching movies like Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums and you know, obviously so much more after that. Um, it, this looks like a fun movie to me. It's basically Wes Anderson's nope uh, is what I'm getting from it. So, you know, I'll see it because I'm a big Wes Anderson fan. But uh, I I would encourage at least other people to at least watch the trailer and kind of attempt to digest what the hell they're watching. Tony, are you going to uh, watch the trailer and digest what you're watching? Oh, no, I, I've watched the trailer and I've seen almost every Wes Anderson film. Um, some of them I couldn't finish. Um, he's like, <laughs> two for, he's, well, I mean, I, you know, it, 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 the, the visual artistry of, of going and taking in one of his films is excellent. Um, but sometimes like you guys said, it's just a little too much for me to follow in your brain right there. Um, no, and totally. I absolutely love Moonrise Kingdom. That is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, and, uh, Royal Tenenbaums is, is excellent. Other than that, I can kind of leave them. I missed the, uh, what is it? Fantastic Mr. Fox or something like that. Yep. I think yeah, that's, that's solid. That's like, my, that's like my exception. And well, then Isle of Stop Motion. What about Isle of Dogs too, right? Isle of Dogs is solid as well. And then after that, like I think Rushmore is cool, but the rest of them, I'm not a huge fan. Like Grand Budapest Hotel. Nah, that and French Dispatch, I couldn't really finish. I was just like, I just can't. I'm not. In, I'm just not into it, right? I'm not against it. I'm not going to beat it up, but it just wasn't for me. So his his record for me is really four out of the ten films, with a couple being decent out of that, but. You know, when it's there, it's there. I'm going to watch this. You mentioned all the people in it. Um, I really love Jason Schwartzman and Steve Carell in the trailer. So we'll see. I'm definitely going to give it a try. Like Aquatic 2, by the way. So I bet you I was a bigger fan of Wes Anderson than you guys thought I was. Uh, I definitely would have guessed that this would be like the that movie, like I watched the trailer, I'm not going to see it. You know, that type of deal. But that's, that's no, super well, cool. And no. I get, I totally I mean, understand. About- Wes Anderson is a very stark style. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. But uh, let's not look at Bottle Rocket, though, too. Oh, yes, yes. Another another good one. I even like Darjeeling Limited. And I, I know a lot of people don't. But. <laughs> yeah, I and I guess I'm the I'm the guy who's. Not the Wes Anderson guy, uh, oddly enough, which surprises people. I know it surprises a lot of people that I'm not 
big into his films, given some of my other interests. Our last entry into the trailer park today, we got our second and probably more significant trailer for Pixar's latest outing, Elemental. We got a little bit more of the story uh, of these two characters, this water and fire element in this world. Uh, that seems to be a little bit more than just sort of an opposites attract sort of Romeo and Juliet-esque story. I, I will say the little doubt is kind of lukewarm on this particular film. Then again, he's really not into animation nearly as much as, as I was at his age. Uh, I think the thing that I found really interesting is that we got kind of a better look at sort of the the background stories of these two characters' families, uh, particularly this fire character and what seems to be a very sort of immigrant-tinged family, like owns this restaurant that sells a particular type of food. The you know one of the jokes is the water character not being able to handle it because it's too spicy. It just very much yeah, very much seems like there's as with as is typical with a Pixar film more to it than kind of the surfacey stuff that you can see uh, off the bat. Uh, I did Aesop got to go first twice in a row, so we'll kick off Tony with his thought on this later latest trailer for Elemental. I know Ray was really big about this uh, when the first trailer debuted. I think he was really big about this second trailer. Uh, I'm kind of sad he wasn't able to make it. But, um, Tony, your thoughts on this this trailer. No, I'm actually looking forward to this one. I don't, I mean, it, it obviously would, any animation done correctly lends itself to 3D. Um, I don't necessarily know that I'll end up winding going up to the theater for this one, but it's something I'll catch either way on streaming at some point because when you blend, like, fire versus water is, is, is like, you know, that's kind of how you stay alive and, and they're they're complete opposites and we know opposites attract and then they're talking about relationship between beings so you kind of add those simple simple you know stories together and then you put in some really cool visual effects patrick you talked about the fact that uh, the, the water guy was eating maybe some like spicy meatballs it looked like and what happens when water gets you know boiled it, it creates steam and out comes this bubble and the bubble belches and it was pretty funny so and i'm looking forward to it, it looks like it's going to be a good time as a good transplanted Midwesterner who loves his bland brown gravy and no, no nothing spicy, I felt that, felt that right there. Was that heartburn? <laughs> all of it, uh, all of the fire. Like that's me. Aesop, you you seem to be kind of iffy, and you're you're a big Pixar guy. So what's up? I am. Look, and it, is it going to be visually stunning? Absolutely, but. What did I just speak about towards Disney? There is looking really mighty like there is no real antagonists in this film. And it's looking to bring a lot of social commentary again. And I, by no means am I saying is that a bad thing. It's you heard just... it here first, everybody. Aesop is upset that Disney is too woke. There it is. But the the my problem with it is that it's been a consistent run of films. We have we have seen this in so many of the films that they have been doing lately that going back and breaking the formula isn't bad. 
you know, please just get a villain, get a villain for the love of God, get a fucking villain. Um, I was, I was very excited about the initial trailer and seeing this new trailer, it, it just toned it down a little bit. Um, I, I, I don't know how I feel about it because it still doesn't lend too much of the story. We can make assumptions as to what's going on. But in this case, I have a pretty strong feeling that I would be wrong with any assumption I could possibly make. Right. Um, it's about co coexistence. I mean, basically. Yes. But, you know, if, if we're just going off of like the supreme basics, so normally you could still get a little bit more to that. Oh, we're talking about a relationship between fire and water, Aesop. Like we're we're going as extreme and basic as you can fucking get. Elemental, Great. if you yeah. elemental, if you will. Ooh. What? No, no, stop it. Stop no, it. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Um no, I mean, but basic. I'm just saying, it's like at least with, storytelling. But this is what you are saying is like Indiana Jones, an adventure. Oh, okay. I like Indiana what? Jones. But that's what it's fucking that's what you're fucking telling me right now it's like that is like oh coexistence yes i get that that's what we saw but there definitely is a deeper story and normally we can get a little bit more when we saw soul we got a little bit more initially we thought we knew it was something about death right and then we saw uh, like the next trailer it broadened it a little bit to not only death but life as well so like you know, there's there's a build, there's a progression, and not to mention like oh, you know, death, life, and jazz. You know, like there's there's so much more than what you are just saying. Oh, it, it's about coexistence. God, but, you didn't know the fucking movie by now. Bottom line, Aesop's had enough of this woke Disney bullshit. His new podcast will be airing opposite Joe Rogan on the Fox Podcast News Network, coming to you soon. I know it really makes me sound terrible, but I'm just trying <laughs> to say that like every Disney is just playing it so safe, right? His first guest on his new podcast will be Sean Hannity, followed by Tucker Carlson. <laughs> Tucker Carlson it'll, better pay me to get on the fucking. It'll, it'll air. be we'll call it Triple Threat, and it'll just be about how terrible Disney is and its woke agenda. Oh wait, okay, okay. I've ha I can't keep that up. Let's go on to something else that's dead. E3 announced this week, canceled for the second year in a row. Guys, I'm not even surprised by this because when you think about what E3 was versus what other companies do, E3 was sort of a dying convention anyway. So for those of you who don't remember or don't know, E3 used to be like the video game convention. Like that was the the San Diego Comic-Con, if you will, of video games. And each of the major companies like Sega, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, they would come. Video game Blizzard would be there, company EA would be there and they would do their panels and they would show their upcoming slate of what's coming for their various platforms, their various games, all that people get really excited. And that was, it was a big deal. Like E3 was huge. And now everybody else just kind of does their own. 
and it's left E3 on the outside looking in, and this felt inevitable. So I don't know how much of a story it is, other than two it's years. Not. Of, and, it's and not it's, a story. And, well, and so here's my thing. And do should E3 give it up, or do you do you think they try again next year? Because you know, they're, of course, they're putting out the statement of, well, we're gonna give it another go. Like the money's gotta run out at some point. Like read the read the room, right? E3 has to rebrand is what it does. Yeah. Um, because we all assume it uh, assume that it's always going to be about. Um, like it's always going to be about games, right? But it's the Electronic Entertainment Expo. Right. You know what I mean? You can easily turn this into something different, something like a PAX East or, you know, like PAX East is a huge convention that still gets a good draw. They don't do just video game stuff. Nope. They turn it into a, another Comic-Con type deal. But they also, they also like, um, broaden it and make it like a gaming tournament as well. Why can't E3 do that? They, this has been a story that's actually happened for more than just, you know, like the past couple of years. E3 has been losing, um, you know, like sponsors and partnerships quite regularly. Nintendo left a good while ago. And I think Microsoft left too, right? Um, obviously Sony did. Sony opened their own shit. Right. Like what? You want to go and fucking, you know, use fucking Ubisoft and shit like that? Be my guest. But I don't think this is, is a real story. I think we all knew that E3 wasn't going to survive in its current state. And I don't think they're going to die. They just have to change it up a little bit. Tony, what do you think? Well, as someone who just was at a gaming convention yesterday, as we record, uh, you talk about how 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 is it quasi? I'm sorry, you comparing the Midwest Gaming Classic to the fucking E3 is apples and cherry tomatoes. Like well, one is that's funny because you said Nintendo doesn't go to that anymore. Yet Nintendo was at the Midwest Gaming Classic yesterday. No, they there weren't. Were they, yeah, they were. I was there. It's not the same thing, Tony. It is not the same I thing. I understand that. But you, want to know what, but you want to know what the biggest difference is? The Midwest Gaming Classic happened, and E3 didn't. Because you talk about getting it more at Comic-Con convention, and that's what it was. Big vendor hall, and on the other side, just a great display of video games. From arcade to pinball to computer to everything else. And then you talk about bringing it, making it more convention style. You throw in things like nostalgic cars from movies that nerds love. That's what they had. They had gaming tournaments. They had the one of the world Tetris gaming tournaments there. They had a travel. They had a pinball conference tournament there. So you throw in things like that. I know it's not the software gaming thing that E3 is, and that had all the different people that are way up on the chain for that. But you brought up the fact that making it more of a Comic Con convention as opposed to just a gaming software convention. And that's yes. where I said they could pull from what I was just at yesterday because what they did yesterday, they sent out an email the night before saying, we set record sales we never thought were going to happen, so please be patient with us tomorrow as you come in and get in. And they did a great job. So 
I have very limited experience in that. So all I can tell you is what I experienced yesterday. And I understand it's a different horse, but at the same time, you can always learn from things that are, that are a little bit similar from you. Sure. You're, you're absolutely right in that sense. But, but again, there, one is the, you know, what you went to yesterday was about the past, right? Things that have already been. But there was a lot of things there of new console makers and new game makers. They're kind of displaying different things as well. But it, but it's not to the E3 level. And I agree, I agree. That's the upper echelon of what they're coming next for. I understand. Well, yeah, that was that was the upper echelon. Right. <laughs> yeah. But but like uh, a good a good idea that the uh, like comparison though is like what uh, Patrick said. It's San Diego Comic Con. Uh, you know that's what it was for E3, like E3 was bringing all the new stuff in gaming world. And now they're just not able to do that because they, the companies realize they can make so much more money and get so much more attention brought to them. If they just host their own, you know, whatever you get Nintendo well, treehouses, stuff like that. And here's, what's really interesting about, cause San Diego comic-cons Com San Diego is still a big deal. However, it's not quite the big deal that it used to be because studios have also started doing this too. Like Disney does D23 every couple of years, has its Star Wars fest, you know, their Star Wars thing every every so often. But somewhere along the way, San Diego Comic-Con still has been able to keep itself at least quasi-marketable and connected to these companies to where they still have a Marvel Hall H panel and a DC Hall H panel, even though these studios are doing their own sort of thing. And I don't know, and I don't know what I'm exactly saying other than the companies didn't abandon the convention in the same way that they did E3. And and kudos to, to the Comic-Con people for keeping that going. I also think San Diego would have survived because I do think they had even started to shift uh a little bit as as they started to get less and the pandemic kind of forced them a little bit more to kind of to pay attention to that as well well i think a big reason for that though is the movie versus right. video games video games are so readily available now at home you know right, like right. that's Steam. a huge market now that you don't go out to the store and get like an actual hard copy of the the next Madden, right? They right. pre-order it and then they they gets downloaded and when they come home from work that day, they can go and play it right away. You can't do that with movies. Movies you still have to go and see them in the theater and then, you know, wait a couple of months depending on how long, you know, the movie is successful for before it finally gets released. So them going to these little conventions is very much nothing. Like I, again, almost went to C2E2 this weekend. Um, and it was actually like, oh, fuck, if I wouldn't have realized that it's this weekend, you know, I, if I had a little more time to plan, I probably right. would have been gone. But, but a friend of mine is down there right now, and I don't know what he was seeing. I'm assuming it's Shazam, but Zachary Levi is down there promoting it. Like, as much as, you know, we want to say FTG, uh, like, it, he's down there promoting his shit because right. the only way that they make money is if they go to the theaters and see Shazam and realize that it's a hunk of shit and then, you know, decide, no, I don't want to buy it. 
Uh, maybe Shazam should just die like the rest of the DC movies in this current universe. But you know, that's a different story. Sorry, I was uh, quenching my thirst there. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, rest in peace. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. Um, At least all right, now. let's move on to our last story before we head into our second commercial break and then talk nothing but uh, Disney to wrap up the show because they are our, they are our entertainment overlords. Um, in the world of uh, articles Patrick shared before Aesop did, but Aesop shared anyway, we have an animated Scott Pilgrim versus the World series. Sorry, anime, which is a form of animation, but you know, Japan. Um, yeah, you did it right, Pat. Jesus. I did. I did. I got it right in the correction. But the that wasn't really the news. The news was that the entire cast from the Scott Pilgrim versus the World movie is voicing the Scott Pilgrim versus the World anime. That's right. You love Michael Sarah? He's back. You love Jason Schwartzman? He's back. You love Anna Kendrick? She's back. You love Aubrey Plaza? Back, Brie Larson, back, Chris Evans, back, everybody back for Mary Liz Winston. Come on, though. Fucking Ramona Flowers. Yeah, she's all right. God damn it. <laughs> all right. Um, you okay? Do you need a hug? Proceed. What? I, I, she's fine. You can like only, only the second biggest character in the fucking movie. Like the whole movie revolves around Ramona Flowers, and you're just like, we're gonna name Anna Kendrick. Jesus Christ. Okay. <sighs> Tony, Tony, um, how excited are you to not watch the Scott Pilgrim versus the World anime series with the original cast back, including Mary Elizabeth Winstead, American Treasure, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, that everyone cares about and remembers so so well. You totally Mary just, Elizabeth Winstead. You just, couldn't remember her name. I already know it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, you know, whatever. I'll start by drinking. Okay. Brandon Routh, back as well. Uh, you, you talk about the cast, and, and I, I, these, all these actors and actresses are, are excellent. Um, couldn't give a flying fuck about the movie when it came out, and <laughs> or rats ass about any anime that's going on except for you listening on chair shot radio network to talking the cake every sunday afternoon right there and also at the chairshot.com always use your head that's cocky all right now i will i will defend tony i really think you should watch scott pilgrim versus the world oh, no, I... i've seen parts of it wow it's a really good movie it's highly entertaining Video, and it's 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 a video game culture film at its finest. Like A B C D E F G H I J K. All right, you're you're muted for a minute. Okay, um, Aesop, go ahead. Why don't you generate some excitement? Like I'm looking forward to this. I think it's gonna be fun. Like me forgetting Mary Elizabeth Winston's name, notwithstanding. Like. I, she's not exactly a memorable actress for me. It's fine. Oh, it's fine. I forgot. I forgot cool. Mae Whitman too. You didn't get all mad about that. She was Huntress, you know, in uh, Harley Quinn. Yes, yeah. Patient. It's Prey. 
Uh, though, look, Scott Pilgrim versus the world is a movie that is near and dear to my heart. It's very funny. And as long as they stylize it in the same vein that they did the movie, which I have a fair assumption they are going to because of the fact that they got the entire fucking cast to come back. I mean, why wouldn't they? And the Scott Pilgrim uh, Mangaline is very good too. Yeah, I read I read them all before I went and saw saw the flick. Yeah, and it's true to you know the comics at that point. Give me all of this. I I, I didn't get a chance to see it. Is it movie or is it going to be like miniseries or whatever? I don't I don't know that I saw it. Um, I don't know that I saw that in the report. I just saw that they announced the cast. I would say if it's an anime, that it's probably going to be in chunks though. Maybe seven parts like the books. Yeah, and I know it's going through Netflix too, which says series yeah. more than movie. Um, I I also I, like I, I'm a little bit sorry hesitant on Netflix because like some of the stuff they do is really good, uh, like Castlevania and you know whatever, but some of like the anime stuff you know does not have that type of ring to it, so. I'm hoping they do it justice. I think they will because of the property itself. So let's go. Isn't the most encouraging thing, though, the the amount of returning cast? I mean, it's the whole cast. Like, that is the big selling point, is that... Right. I mean, mean, as far as, like... No, he's talking about, like, is it going to be good, and can Netflix ruin this, and and can it hold true to what it was? Well, you can have a great cast, but have a shitty story. Like, Yeah, but these are a lot of that have done a lot of different things that know what it's like to maintain the, 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 the integrity of what they've done in the past. Like you talk about, there's a lot of different actors and actresses on here that have continued characters on from different things. So it's true. That's true. That's true. So I too, am looking forward to it. Um, I think, I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be a good movie. I think we, what happened to Asa? He just wanted to talk about that. And he left, he was only was here it. until He's done. Uh, he got his. He got to talk about his thing, yeah. and now he left. Yeah, I guess uh, message received him. Damn. Oh, there he is. Welcome back, Asop. Oh, I accidentally clicked back to my. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are nothing but professionals here on the Chairshot Radio Network, highest of quality on the podcast, and of course, no professional, because... no professionalism for me. Woo! Whatever. We are the best of the best because we always use our head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Every time we play so that sound, Chris Platt gets his wings. Okay, we are going to head into our second commercial break where Aesop will continue to drink heavily. We're going to talk a bunch of Disney when we come back, revisiting the Jonathan Major story, talking about cuts, and some casting news. All that and more. On the chairshot.com bandwagoners. We'll be right back. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, welcome back after that piss-poor outro by myself into commercial break. We're back. I'm a professional. 
because I always use my head. I, I do want to remind everybody, if you love what we do and you want to hear Aesop Mitchell, you know, talk about anti-wokeness and Scott Pilgrim and Yelly's drunk and PC Tunney, you know, talking about his retro gaming conventions that he can, went to. Nintendo I, was there. Can I just, I just want to throw something out there. And this is, this is like a for real thing I can say to plug something on. You're about to plug the, um, Pro wrestling tees.com forward slash chair shot. Yeah. DP wore his, um, you know, gaming is dangerous. Take this with you. Zelda shirt where the chair shot logo is handed to. I had to sit there and watch him talk to like good dozen, dozen and a half people about the shirt because everybody wanted to know what it was about. So if you're a gaming nerd, Head on over there and grab that shirt. People will ask you about it. That's what these shirts are meant for uh, for you to have happen to you, is people ask you where you got it and why you're wearing it and what it means. And by Absolutely. dozens and dozens, he meant thousands of people. Thousands no, it was dozens. like I, there was probably about 15 people that he sat and had a good three, four-minute conversation with about his shirt when they asked him about it. Hey, if it gets thousands. us... If it gets us up from 29 listeners to 34 listeners, I'm all for it. I'll take it. Uh, as it is, I, I love wearing my bandwagon nerd shirt with its Mario lettering and all of that. And that is also available at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. As are a ton of other shirts that are available to you. $19.99. Spend a few dollars more, though, if you want something that feels nice on your giblets. Get a soft style. Your body will thank you. Okay. Let's talk Disney, we had a couple pieces of casting news that came through this week. The first in regards to the Wonder Man series, which, frankly, I may have forgotten was happening until I saw news that Wonder Man has cast its villain. And in this case, it's the Grim Reaper. He's known for two things. He's got a a goofy-looking scythe gauntlet. Andy Simon Williams' brother, Eric. And he has now been cast. Uh, and I'm trying to find the guy's name because I just skipped over it. Demetrius Gross, who is in the series Fear of the Walking Dead, uh, is playing the villainous hero who turns to villainy after he thinks the Avengers killed his brother. So, or were responsible for his brother being dead. And he, you know, he's been um you know buddies for all kinds you know buddies with all kinds of antagonists within the avengers canon in an introductory series involving wonderland wonder man it probably makes sense that his sort of most known enemy or kind of biggest enemy within the comics outside of the avengers would be the the antagonist taking him on Uh, i know absolutely nothing about this guy uh, I have not watched a second of Fear of the Walking Dead. The picture in the article uh, has him holding an axe and looking sufficiently menacing, so I, I believe he can do that part. Um, how hyped are we even for a Wonder Man series, and do we care about it, at it all, about it at all? What do we think of the casting? Where are we going here? Aesop doesn't care. I know this because he's anti woke. Well, no, no. Here's here. First of all, I'm going to give them. Uh, an applause here because I have a feeling it's going to be more Moon Knight esque. Oh, in which here, we hold, hold on, hold on. Let's let's give him the applause. Go ahead. Moon Knight had a villain. Sorry, uh, 
here's sure. here's the long and short of it. I can't care about anything Marvel until we resolve the current situation, which, which is we're gonna I won't about. spoil it. I won't spoil it. I'll save it for that because that is too important. I rest my case. Sonny, you were definitely going to check out the Wonder Man series, weren't you? Episode one, you were going to be there. Honestly, if I think it's who we're talking about, this is the like the actor who's actually a superhero, right? Very aloof and kind of yeah. He's the, the he's the superhero actor. Yes, played I, by I, the guy I, who I played the... Black Manta in Aquaman. I, I was I am actually looking forward to watching this series, and it's interesting that why wouldn't they make you know death his <laughs> first villain? I guess it's most relatable villain for normal well, human he, beings. He calls himself the Grim Reaper. He's not right, actually but that's, death. But sure, but that's that's you know there's that's the association, right? Because he's got a scythe so, gauntlet. Well, scythe gauntlet. Sweet to me. Yeah, Menacing cool was. A, I too. thought. Right. Menacing was a good visually descriptive word you used earlier for uh, for what I saw. I'm looking forward to it. I always like kind of figuring out what's going up next. And, you know, you add in the fact that, uh, you know, battled with the Avengers. And, and the, the, anytime you add that A word into a story in Marvel, it kind of gives a little credibility for the novice fan. That is true. Oh, geez. No, no, no. Billy Gunn? Um, is that the next? Is it? I can't even That's remember when. I don't, I don't even know when. I don't even know when Wonder Man is supposed to hit when they're when they're filming. What's going on with that whole sort of story there? So it, I mean, it's, it's a down the road it, sort it of thing. It won't be until next year, you know. Right. So, like yeah, this this year's slate is pretty set. Table everything because you're there's going to be so much more that happens. Yeah, that is in true. the words of the true. dude. I wonder, man. Okay. On that, that note, one. let's let's that shift to some other Disney casting before Tony makes another bad pun. Um, that was good. Yeah, you know, I'm surprised you should be a dad. You have so many dad jokes. Um, <laughs> Disney is continuing its process of taking its animated films and making them live action. Amongst those is a Lilo and Stitch live action film, which one. Uh, I, I don't know that I wanted Maya that one Kalo. to be a live action, but yes. Oh, sorry, I thought you were getting stuck on the name. <laughs> no, no, it's more of, uh, yeah. did we need a live action Lilo and Stitch? <laughs> no, definitely not. I don't know, and, and, I, and I'm one of the guys who's pretty forgiving of the live action animated films. Like, I haven't been completely against them. And I don't know if I'm completely against it. This one does not move the needle for me in any way. There are a ton of Stitch fans out there. But yes, they have cast their Lilo. It is Maya Kealoa, a young Hawaiian actress. Uh, I don't think that she's been in anything yet. Um, this is like her, at least it's her first major role. Uh, Zach Galifianakis, I see I can't pronounce Galifianakis. At yeah, all. It's it, it, the pronunciation is right between two ferns. You can find it. Right. Stop it. Just stop with no. What? What did I do? You know what know. you did. You know what you I, fucking I did. Between two ferns. Get the fuck out of here. Anyway, uh, you are. You're trying too hard. You are right. Uh, you're right, Patrick. This is her first film. Her first so, anything. Right. And so this is you know this is the first like major casting news. 
uh, for this film. Of course, we also have to figure out who will be playing uh, Lilo's older sis- sister. Because uh, we don't, I, I don't know who Zach's playing. Um, he's an unknown role right now. So it's like this is the first like character that they've announced. They've announced Zach, and then they've announced her. They haven't announced who's playing Nani, who is Lilo. I, I would, here's my guess with Zach Galifianakis. He's going to be Pleakley. Um, that's that what everybody just, hopes. Yeah, that's what that's that what the rumor seems, is. Um. Yeah. I. I mean, Lilo and Stitch just doesn't need to be live action, and I. I don't know. I have a feeling this is going to be like lady and the tramp like it was on disney plus i don't know if this gets to theaters right i mean the peter pan movie is isn't even going to and they just going straight to disney plus i feel like that's what the trailer said so yeah they're they're live action peter pan i think is a disney plus thing too they're churning these things out like crazy they're they're just pumping these things out like like nothing which, again, I don't know, guys. Like Nick Cannon babies. Oh God, man! That's between fun. between Tony Spuns and Aesop, whatever that is, I am I've lost the well, show. I've lost yeah. I've lost control of the show. Well, uh, you know. So here's to you guys. Drink up. Cheers, Aesop. Okay. We made it we made it so when only mom and dad are around, we don't mess around. There you go. You said pumping. What else was I supposed to say? <laughs> not a Nick. I was not a Nick Cannon joke was not on my playlist. I'll put that out there. How's that? Okay. Do we want to end which bad news do we want to end with first? Do we want to end with the Disney cuts or do we want to end with Jonathan Majors? What do we want to talk about last? Who's who's the main event? And with Jonathan Majors. All right, we'll end with Jonathan Majors. Okay, so Bob Iger has long announced, and Disney has finally started to come through. Bob Iger has been talking about the possibility ever since he took back over as CEO that they were going to have to be making some budget decisions that was going to include cutting employees. It came out last week, I want to say, or the week before, that they were going to be Disney was going to be cutting up to 7,000 jobs across all of their company. And I mean, they have done everything from completely removing an entire division, this meta division that uh that was a uh, metaverse. Brain, metaverse metaverse that's what it was. Division. Metaverse division that was a brainchild of Bob Chapik that had done some things but not much and all of that stuff is dead in the water now because it has been cut a lot of executives have been cut ray freaked out uh because disney cut tie ties with uh really one of the shittiest dudes in all of the marvel um uh the marvel company as they got rid of um god what's his first name pearl pearl mutters or yeah, Perlmutter is his first name, but I'm Isn't not Bruce. Buying... Bruce Perlmutter, does that sound right? Right. Bruce, yeah, that sounds right. I'm sitting there scrolling through this terrible article because I went with the direct, which was a mistake. Because, <laughs> well, because Ike Perlmutter. Uh, Ike, okay. What? That, that sounds like Bruce. Right. But basically, this guy was. God. A, he was a major part of 
Marvel in, in multiple divisions. Uh, he's a he was a well known uh, like he and Kevin Feige did not get along at all. In fact, Feige almost left the company over Perlmutter's presence. He's a big Trumper. He he was one of he was one of these guys who a couple of years ago tried to like overthrow the Disney board, flexing his role in Marvel. And by the time we got to him getting let go, Disney slash Marvel had done everything they could to take away his power, basically putting him in charge of next to nothing with a $5.5 million salary. So they cut him. These are the types of cuts that are happening. ABC News laid off several senior executives as Disney follows through. And Bob Iger is basically, for those of you who know anything about wrestling, he's Nick Khan. He is doing what they brought him in to do. And that was trim, fat, and a lot of the people that are losing their job right now, at least at the executive level, are redundant executives. So I'm sad that these people, for these people a little bit, you know, in their millions of dollars, losing their jobs. But there's a reason they're getting cut. Uh, and so I'm not that sad. Dave was like, Disney's a shit show. Tony, is Disney a shit show? It's funny that you asked me that question because I was going to kind of compare it to shit, which flows downhill, right? Usually the shit yeah. gets put upon the lower, but eventually when it gets put upon the lower enough, the upper suffer from it, right? Like when people can't afford to go on Disney vacations and can't afford to do this, that, and the other for their family with different Disney things, that means the money that all the executives get and all the bonus money that they get because the numbers are so excellent isn't happening anymore. So when that shit comes downhill, it's got to go somewhere and it builds up and eventually it affects the upper echelon. What's a Disney vacation? Uh, they buy <laughs> they buy another island in the Caribbean. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Disney no, Disney I'm literally saying... owns two islands in the Caribbean. You know. I'm talking about me. I don't know what oh. a Di what a Disney vacation is. I, that's something I've, I'll I never mean, afford. I, but I've been on two. Shut up, Patrick. Make Going on a third one in November. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but stop. Like, we, you got to come to the Dells and and uh, hang out with Patrick here at the end of June. June. We got to talk about yep. that. Yeah, at the end of the show here. All right, <laughs> let's get it going. Um, but look, look. Here's the thing. What isn't a shit show lately? Uh, Disney's a shit show. We just talked about E3. Fox is a shit show, obviously, as it like got rid of everything. Yeah, like HBO and Discovery, like Warner Brothers. They're all shit shows. I mean, that's just what the what the world is right now. And uh, look, we are just a couple of years removed from a complete standstill in the economy and the world. And I, I don't think they realize that. I, I think that a lot of these uh, corporations kind of figured like we would bounce back so quickly. It, it I mean, clearly it didn't happen that way. Um, you know, this just is what it is. It's the world that we're, that we live in and we'll build from, but I feel like they, they got anxious and they 
jumped right out of the gates and maybe even before those gates even opened. Yeah, I think you're I think you're dead on. I, I think that I I guess, you know, it's it's one of those things. I think everybody kind of gets caught up in the 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 miasma of seven thousand jobs and, and thinking that this is this huge collapse, but you know, Disney was not operating sustainably. And many of these companies were not operating sustainably. And the pandemic only made it worse for for a lot of these companies. And yeah, Chapek is really, he's just, or not Chapek, Iger. Iger is, again, he's doing what he was brought in to do. And that is to try and get them back where they want to be. Because let's let's also be real. Like, it's not like Disney is making, you know, is in the red. They're they're just making less money. Um, yeah, they're you know they they do the have an green ongoing isn't as green as it was before. Right, they are embroiled in an ongoing war with Ron DeSantis, which is a lot of fun to follow over in Disney Ghost. World. It's awesome to follow, uh, and this again seven thousand jobs again uh, across a multi bajillion dollar company where most of it isn't the little guy too. Like that's the other thing is this a lot of this is not happening at the lower lowest of lower levels and yeah like that's that's just kind of it is what it is um disney i would argue is less of a shit show post pandemic than a lot of other places are um even with its controversies twitter's a shit show oh jesus christ (laughs) good stuff good stuff all right let's get to what was the news of the week last week what is still the news of the week this week in in terms of Marvel and Disney? That's the Jonathan Major story. As everyone knows, last week Jonathan Majors was arrested for uh, allegations of domestic violence and abuse, including choking his girlfriend. We talked about this last week in our sort of instant reactions, and you know, and and you know, Ray's not here. I know he has had a very impassioned response to just kind of how he sort of sees this whole situation to say he is skeptical. Skeptical is, would, would be a little bit of an under understatement. Uh, I think what I said at the end of the day and at the end of the show though, was we're going to have the initial thing that happens and then it's going to start coming out in waves as people start to put out their spins and their sides of the story. Lawyers are of course involved. The latest kind of piece of news, and unless something else has broken in, in the last day or so, was an attorney for Jonathan Majors releasing text messages that Majors claims came from the woman whom he's accused of assaulting, in which she appears to take blame for the fight. Now, it is important to say that these messages have not been independently verified. The Manhattan DA has not commented and they won't because they have an active and ongoing investigation. So they're not going to comment beyond that as they try to find their evidence. But this, as we said last week, it's going to continue to evolve and it's going to be ugly. A lot of other stuff that's out there right now is, is rumor. Uh, I know that there is a thing. There's been a couple of articles circulating around from like Marvel quote unquote, Marvel news or the director or something where people on a podcast are saying, I heard it's very Dave Meltzer. If you want to talk wrestling parlance of, or, you know, tabloidy of my sources say 
Disney's met with Jonathan Majors to talk about the future and what that means for the company. Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. Nobody knows. And anybody who's saying that they know on a podcast that something happens is lying. They don't know. And I I would say it's plausible because Disney is investing a shit ton in this guy. And, it, and so it would be foolish to not be paying attention to what, what that means. But I don't know if we're, we're really anywhere new with this story. Aesop didn't get a chance to comment on it, on it last week, so I'll let Aesop talk first. But I just I think this is, it's going to be a back and forth for a while now. And that's, and that's where we are. Well, I mean, this is why I can't focus on Wonder Man. I mean, it, the, the next, what, almost decade is going to be so heavily wrapped around not only Kang, but Jonathan Majors, right? Right. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is there is a good probability that Kang is put into every Marvel movie going forward. Like it, that's the crazy thing. It's not like Thanos, you know, we can, we can work independently from Thanos. Kang is literally like tied into every last bit of this Marvel Avengers saga that's going forward. So, I mean, I can't really focus on it on anything else because if Disney has to recast, that is huge. Now, as this story evolves, it looks better for Jonathan Majors now. Um, right. And again, I'm not making any assumption. This is just based off of what I see. And what, again, we're going to get, we're going to get a fuck ton of information really fast over the next couple of months because they clearly want this resolved as quickly as possible. It also seems very convenient that Jonathan Majors comes out with not only Ant-Man, but Creed 3, and then this comes out. Just saying, uh, I'm not, you know, blaming anyone I or, you know, squashing anything, but it, it's very coincidental that this type of story comes out in, a, in arguably the biggest point of Jonathan Major's career. And it's like, it's not even like remotely close. It's a huge time right. to be Jonathan Majors. So I, I, I want resolution. I, I yep. know that, you know, the whole Disney and Jonathan Majors wants this type of resolution. And it's, it already seems like, you know, people might be backtracking a little bit. Right. And I mean, that, that was even something that was happening as we were recording the podcast last week. Like we were like, I think it was Tony found it on Google after Ray kind of pop pointed it out that already there seemed to be some sort of question slash retraction uh, that that was being released. So I don't know. Uh, I think it's you're right uh, that there's just going to be so much more that that comes out from this and, and as you see in news media a lot at the very bottom of articles this story is developing tony go ahead this is really a story about one simple lesson learned in life for everybody 
whether it's whether it's whether it tips one way or the other or whether it's both both sides to blame this is a story about the company you keep yeah, it's I'm... almost elemental oh jesus okay Christ. good good for you wow. that didn't hit as well as mine did before now you're you know just, what I mean, no, nothing is hit guys. i, I want to thank is... you for doing that i mean this i is... win Oh my God! Anyway. No, seriously, think about that. Like, if right. it's if it's if it's a case of Jonathan Majors is 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 the ba- is truly the bad guy here, it's it's Marvel not doing their due diligence. And right. if it's a case of 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 Jonathan Majors being wronged, well, then that's it's another case of the company you keep. The people sounds you like, surround yourself have a lot to say to do about yourself. Sounds like this is a story of coexistence, Tony. Oh God! Oh. Dude, go get drunk and watch WrestleMania. Um, okay. I think um I think I'm done with We're the working show. On I think, it. I, I think I'm done with I think it. I'm done with the program. WrestleMania today. wouldn't wait till seven o'clock on a fucking Sunday. Well, and that seven o'clock hour is just nothing but people sitting around a desk and talking. So For you. I won't for... be watching. Anyway, um I think I'm done. I think I think I'm I'm tapping out of this show. I think I think um I think you guys have done it. Congratulations. You did it, Tess. You, uh... We broke them! Not really. I'll be back next week. Um, I can't quit this shit. All right. We are going to get out of here. Before we go, gentlemen, let's do a quick once around. Remind everybody where they can find you on the ChairShot Radio Network and on the socials. We'll start this week with Aesop Mitchell, because he's to my lower right. All right. Yes. Find me on chair shot radio. Uh, we do a lot of things over here. Me and my brother, he's, he's uh, right next to me. Say hi, Tom. Sup, puckers. Oh, perfect. Yes. We, uh, host, we host down the wire, uh, professional sports and unprofessional manners. We've also been delving into the wide, wide world of sports trivia with triple grit, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, Tony, you have taken part. Patrick, we are waiting for you to take part because I know you would absolutely love to do a sports trivia uh, episode at some point in time. So listen to us on Mondays and Fridays. Uh, Or Thursdays and Sundays. uh, Chairshot Radio Network, all of your favorite streaming platforms. Patrick, take it away. You can, of course, follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Make sure you follow the show at Bandwagon Nerds, also on Twitter, where you get a warning that I'm going to rant about Star Wars this week. Also, you can catch me on the Chairshot Radio Network every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Mondays, talking nerdy stuff with these jokers. Tuesdays, talking hockey and or music with David Ungar, although not this week. This is Dave chose WrestleMania over me and Wednesdays with Greg DeMarco talking wrestling on the Greg DeMarco show. That's going to do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds. Make sure you get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, go catch the dungeons and dragons movie. That movie was a lot of fun. will make you feel better about the world you live in today. It rolled a natural 20. You have been listening to bandwagon nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network here on thechairshot.com.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 